0: Where did the summer go? School is back in session today. Is August 23rd. Some schools started this week on Monday, the 21st. Others started Thursday, Friday ish, August 17th, 18th. Some even on August 16th. So, a week, five days, three days, but school's back in session just about everywhere. Hopefully student athletes coaches teachers principals athletic directors superintendents principals assistant principals are all enjoying being back in school i know i'm ready to go when school starts that means my life starts picking up a little bit more games more people to talk to more things to watch more things to officiate more things just more things not that my summers are boring but for my entire life lived on a school schedule obviously went to school then went to college and right after college actually i started working for a newspaper while i was a freshman at siu in carbondale so i have been doing the school sports school board meetings just school everything for ever pretty much almost 19 years so when august hits it's like hey Let's go. Last weekend, I took a little break. Didn't do anything because I knew we were going to go headstrong. Head first, jump right in, get everything done. August 22nd, yesterday, refereed first volleyball game of the fall. Princeton freshman at LaSalle, Peru. It was a great match. Had a little rest, I'm not going to lie. Wiped it off a little bit. We're ready to go have a tournament on Saturday four games, it's also at LP, and also freshman volleyball. So we're hopping right in, freshman, high school levels, and ready to go. With school being in session, we already know sports are coming. Like I said, refereeing, that means podcasts as well. And win, lose, stat, where we go through games, events, stats, accomplishments, everything affiliated, associated with sports, We're going to have our first of the 2023-24 school season, sports season, right here on this episode. And just in case you don't know what schools we cover, let's go through the list. Ashton Franklin Center, also known as AFC. Anawan, Byron, DeKalb, DePew, Dixon, Earlville, El Paso Gridley, Fieldcrest. Genoa Kingston, Putnam County, Hall, Henry Sinanchawan, Hinckley Big Rock, Indian Creek, Caneland, Kiwani, Kiwani, Weathersfield, Lamoille, LaSalle, Peru, Burrow Valley, Marquette, Mendota, Geneseo, Morris, Newark, Oregon, Ottawa, St. Bede, Plano, Polo, Princeton, Roanoke-Benson, Rochelle, Sandwich, Seneca, Serena, Samanock, Sterling, Newman, Sterling Newman, Stillman Valley, Streeter, Streeter Woodland, Sycamore, Midland, Yorkville, Yorkville Christian, and Rock Falls. 49 high schools and Illinois Valley Community College and Sauk Valley and Kishwaukee College. So three junior colleges, 49 high schools will try to bring you as much as we can from each school, from each sports program on each episode of Edge of Your Seat podcast while the school sports season is going on. Because that's why we're here. That's why this podcast was started, to give a spotlight, to highlight everything that's going on in northern central Illinois. Sometimes we'll cover outside of sports, but sports... Is where our heart is, where Edge of Your Seat Podcast grew from. So that's where we're at. So excited about the 2023-24 school season. So many things going on already this fall. We are two days away from the start of the football season. Been to practices, talking to coaches, seen a volleyball match last night. Princeton and LP Varsity was playing in another gym. So much awesomeness, excitement. Even in this heat, it is very, very hot, and coaches, athletes, don't want to be out in the heat, but in the gym, playing some volleyball, everything is great. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance, and I don't know where you're listening to this episode, but you can listen to all Edge of Your Seat podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the website, www.rss.com, backslash podcasts. It is plural, with an S, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. On those platforms, Spotify, Twitter, Facebook, Apple Podcast. please like, five star, 100 star, write a comment, follow, all of those awesome things. Help us move up in the rankings and help us share the spotlight and let everybody know what's going on in Illinois. Just mention Twitter and Facebook because you know we got the socials. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, edge of your CP for the personals Brandon Lachance LA chance on Facebook and Twitter is Lachance writer if you have any questions suggestions if you would like to be a guest you know somebody that would be a good guest you like or dislike something I or a guest said or you would like to sponsor with edge of your seat podcast please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com and as always much love to Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions, for the intro and outro beat that you will hear and have heard on every single episode of Edge of Your Seat podcast, which is brought to you by First State Bank. FSB has 19 locations in northern and central Illinois. Great people doing great things financially and can help you with any means of finances CDs, loans, savings, checking online everything you need to do with your money they can help you with check out a first state bank branch near you this is episode 289 not only do we have win lose Stat, the first one of the 2023 24 school year but we also have bring it back paul simon's 1972 self-titled album paul simon is what we're gonna talk about Because it was voted by you. Then we have a fantastic guest, an IVCC athletic director, Corey Thomason. He's made the press rounds and taken heat as of late, as IVCC canceled the 2023-24 women's basketball season. So he's going to speak about that. He's also going to talk about the softball team, cross country team, volleyball team, soccer team, men's basketball, volleyball. We talk about everything IVCC and all the programs that the school in Oglesby has to offer. It's always awesome talking to Corey. It was great having him on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Can't believe we're almost four years in. October 21st. Will be four years and Corey hasn't been on yet. So we had to have him on, especially with some breaking news like IVCC not having a women's basketball season. He's always welcome. We'll always have Corey Thomason on, and we're so glad to have him on this episode. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account, pay off a high interest credit card, or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online also. Check out FSB's Premier account that pays higher interest rate for doing a few routine activities. Go to FirstStateBank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Win, lose, that is back. And everything is starting, getting ready to go. The high school side, boys and girls golf could have their first event on August 10th. Girls swimming and diving, August 18th. Girls tennis, August 17th. Boys and girls cross country and boys soccer and volleyball could all start August 21st, which was Monday. Football could start tomorrow on Thursday, August 24th, but all the programs that I know of, all the ones that we focus here on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, are starting on Friday, August 25th. Illinois Valley Community College Volleyball kicked off their season this past weekend, North Central Michigan's opening weekend tournament. The Eagles men's soccer program started the 20th at Eureka. Women's soccer started the 20th as well at home against Kaskaskia. Men's golf started August 25th. Men's and women's cross country are underway. They started today, August 23rd. And women's tennis kicks off real soon in the next week. Kishwaukee College's athletics. The women's volleyball team is underway after taking a break. A hiatus, have not been around for a couple years, and now the Kishwaukee Volleyball Program is back in action. Same thing with women's soccer as they returned to the pitch. Other sports, men's soccer started August 19th. Women's and men's cross country and men's golf August 25th, and women's golf team kicks off August 26th. Few things want to talk about before we start the 2023 24 first edition of Win Lose Stat. First, shout out to AJ Weller from Geneseo, who was honored for being a baseball, IHSA baseball, class 3A All State team member at a White Sox game on August 10th. Got to go on the field, he was on the screen, he was on TV. Congrats to AJ for being recognized for his amazing season. Sterling Newman Sr., Brennan Tunick, also a friend of Edge podcast, was named to the Chicago Cubs scout team. One of the top-ranked outfielders in the nation in a Notre Dame commit. Looking for great things from Brennan. Know he's going to do amazing things this year at Newman and whatever he decides to do in the future could be Notre Dame. Maybe he gets drafted. Who knows? But I know he's a great player. Great kid. Pretty funny as well. It was awesome talking to him this past spring when Newman went to state for baseball. Also, shout out to Sebastian Gonzalez, an Illinois Valley pistol shrimp pitcher, prospect league managers named him the top prospect he also won reliever of the year he was a western conference all-star and he was the pitcher of the year sebastian gonzalez couldn't miss the plate and he obviously couldn't miss winning awards now to the games starting monday august 14th we're on the greens most of this is going to be golf because like i said golf started early always does every year And they should. I mean, you can't miss the great weather for golf. Don't want to do that. But on Monday, August 14th, Mendota won a triangular against Putnam County and Princeton. The Trojans had a 178, while Putnam County and Princeton, so the Panthers and the Tigers, each had 194s. They played at Edgewood in McNabb. For Mendota, Owen Augieball shot a 42 to earn medalist. Brody Hart and Dane Doyle had 44s, and Kale Strauss had a 48. For Putnam County, Miles Walder, a 44. Jacob Edens, a 48. Logan Keese and A.J. Furrer had 51s. For Princeton, Tyson Phillips shot a 46. Jackson Mason and Caden Coomer had 49s. Luke Smith and Jaden Fulkerson had 50s. In another... Triangular. Hall defeated Mercer County and Kewanee. The Red Devils shot a 178, Mercer County a 196, and Kewanee a 249. For the Red Devils, Landon Flynn had a medalist, 37, while Joe Perez shot a 45, Johnny Escatella, 47, and Clayton Fuzanetti of 49. Tuesday, August 15th, Mendota was back at it, this time at home, the Mendota Golf Course, and they got another win, in a duel against Sandwich, 174 to 184. For Mendota, Owen Augeball had a 39 medalist back-to-back events. Brody Hart of 44, Grady Jones of 45, and Evan McFeeders of 46. For Sandwich, Noah Campbell of 41, Chance Lang of 47, Kai Kern and Dino Barbante shot 48s. Dixon won on the road in a triangular. Sterling defeated Rock Island Ulliman 159 236. For Sterling, Mason Hubbard had a medalist 35, Bryce Hartman a 40, Nick Lapp a 42, and Troy Lawrence a 42. St. Bede had its early bird golf outing. Streeter won it with a 324. Going to girls' action. LP defeated Burl Valley 231 to 298. LaSalle proves Ellie Thome, was the medalist with a 43. Sterling beat Sycamore by one stroke, 241 to 242. For Sterling, Carmen Camacho a 54. Brindley Francis a 61. Emily Schwingle a 62. Indiana Alfaro a 64. Moving on to Wednesday, August 16th. Back to boys golf, Morris won a triangular against Plainfield South and Rochelle, as Morris had a 156, Plainfield South a 178, and Rochelle a 186. For Morris, Joey Lanahan and Liam Ember, both shot 36s, while Ember had 13 putts. In a duel, Oregon defeated Genoa Kingston, 178 to 190. For GK, Landon Ritchie shot a 44, Ethan Egler of 46, Colton McDowell of 49, and Bryson Lavender of 51. Sterling defeated Stillman Valley 177 to 179 in a duel of their own. Girls' Golf, Oregon defeated Genoa Kingston 230 to 234. For GK, Aliyah Lauer was a medalist 48, and Ava Smith had a 56. Sterling defeated Stillman Valley 227 to 252 in a duel. Thursday, August 17th, the LaSalle-Peru invite at Seneca's Oak Ridge brought out all the best boys golfers in the area. Ottawa won the team division with a 308. Morris was second with a 338. Hall was third with a 350. LaSalle-Peru was fourth with a 353. Sandwich was fifth with a 355. Sycamore took sixth with 356. Mendota was 7th with the 357. Rochelle came in 8th with the 371. And LaSalle Prue had a second team that finished with a 417. Individually, Landon Plim from Hall shot a medalist 72 to win the individual claim to fame at the LP invite. Finishing second was Ottawa's Drake Kaufman with a 73. Ottawa's Colt Bryson took third with a 78. And Ottawa had a third top five finish as Briar Harris took fourth with a 78. Joey Lanahan from Morris had a 79 for fifth. Also on Thursday, August 17th, in boys golf, Burrow Valley won a triangular against Stark County and Midland as the Storm had a 159, Stark had a 186, and Midland a 188. LaSalle, Peru defeated Burrow Valley, 173 175 behind Mike Melota's 41 medalist score. That last one, LP Burrow Valley, was actually from Wednesday, August 16th. But returning to the 17th, Streeter defeated Piatone 175 to 181. And in girls' golf, Stark County defeated St. Bede and Burrow Valley 220 221 268. Stark County with the 220, St. Bede with the 221. Burrow Valley with a 268. Girls Tennis, the first match that we've seen results from. Streeter beat Kankakee. This week, don't know how much stuff has been going on because of heat. Do got some results. Thank you for the coaches, players, everybody that sends in stuff to Podcast at gmail.com. If you have anything, whether it's a score of a game, a stat, a record-breaking accomplishment that you would like to send in for us to chat about on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please do. The next episode, which is coming out soon of this very podcast, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, will start Friday, August 18th and pick up to where we're at, which will probably be Thursday, August 24th. Every single episode will have a new win-lose stat. Already mentioned the heat a couple times. You know that means the weather's here. It's beautiful, it's sunny, it's hot. This also means you want your lawn looking just as good as the sun rays feel. Artiaga Tree Service and Landscaping is the definition of lawn beautification. The company offers tree removal, lawn care, stump grinding, and spring and fall cleanup to residential and commercial customers. Artiaga Tree Service and Landscaping is fully insured and offers a senior citizen discount. Call 815-878-7504 for a free estimate from Artiaga Tree Service and Landscaping. And I don't know about you, but after I'm working on the yard or even watching someone else do the outdoor manicuring, I know I get hungry. Coming soon to Little Joe's Gaming Cafe is a kitchen serving a variety of good eats. Go to little joe's located at 713 illinois avenue in mendota or call 815-538-4900 for more information it's time to dive into bring it back we're traveling through the rolling stone magazine's top 500 albums of all time list we put polls up four albums at a time and you yeah you vote and tell us which album we should listen to we listen Then on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, like right now, like right now, we dive into the artist, the album, the track list, and then we rank our favorite songs on the album. The last poll was 428 on the Rolling Stone magazine's list, Husker Du, New Day Rising, an album from 1985. 427 was Al Green, his Call Me album from 1973. 426, Lucinda Williams, self-titled, Lucinda Williams album from 1988 and 425 was Paul Simon with Paul Simon from 1972. Paul Simon won. He started off with a huge lead. Al Green, Husker Du caught up. We're within one or two. And then all of a sudden, Paul Simon puts on the afterburners and just takes off. Won the poll by about 15 votes. And it wasn't close. I mean, I think he got like the last 12 or something like that. It was it was pretty crazy. It was fun to watch, fun to see. Paul Simon fans, people that wanted to listen to Paul Simon all came together. Let's talk about the living legend first. He was born October 13th, 1941. And he's still alive. He's 81 years old. He was born in New Jersey to Father Lewis and Mother Belle. Lewis, a college professor, a double bass player, and he was a dance band leader while Bell, the mother, was a teacher. Paul Simon was born in New Jersey. He grew up in Queens, New York when they moved in 1945 when he was four years old. He said this, people talking about Paul have said this, but he's a stereotypical New York Jewish man. Loves baseball. He loves music. He's well-educated, he's a New York Jew. That's not my words, that's Paul Simon's words himself. Every time I've talked about Paul Simon, immediately somebody mentions Simon and Garfunkel. Whether they were better albums with the two of them together than Simon by himself, I don't know. Haven't listened to a Simon and Garfunkel album yet. Comes on the list, which I'm sure it's going to. Please vote and then we'll talk about some Simon and Garfunkel. But Simon met Art Garfunkel when they were 10, 10 years old. They performed in a production of Alice in Wonderland in sixth grade. They began singing together at 13 years old, which was 1954. Paul Simon, Art Garfunkel, two names that I had known pretty much my entire life. Just never really listened to their music. Still have not listened to the two together, and this was my first experience with actually sitting down and listening to a Paul Simon album. There was one song on this album that I'd heard before, knew some of the words to, but never even knew it was Paul Simon. So it was this was my introduction to a legend. His first song, The Girl For Me, written by Simon at age 12, and as he got older, Simon called it the neighborhood hit. Everybody wanted to listen to it. His dad wrote the words and the chords on paper for him and Art Garfunkel. That very paper became the first officially copyrighted Simon and Garfunkel song and is in the Library of Congress. Right now, it's in the Library of Congress. That's crazy. 1957, they had their first song to chart on the charts with Hey Schoolgirl, which reached 49. But they released it under the name Tom and Jerry, not Simon and Garfunkel, which everybody knows him as. Simon graduated Queens College in 1963. He was an English major and a member of the Alpha Epsilon Phi Frat. He then took one semester at Brooklyn Law School. Between his first song in 1957, graduating high school, then college in 1963, Simon wrote recorded, released 30 plus songs. He also wrote and produced for Dottie Daniels, The Bells, and Richie Cordell. Then Simon and Garfunkel reunite, do their thing on a whole nother level. In 1964, Simon and Garfunkel auditioned for Columbia Records. Clive Davis, a legendary music name, signed them to make an album. Columbia then makes the executive decision to officially change the name Tom and Jerry to Simon and Garfunkel. 1964 to the end of time, they will be known as Simon and Garfunkel. Their first album, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., was released on October 19th, 1964. The Sound of Summer, number one on the U.S. charts, their first song to go number one. And it was after Producer Tom Wilson overdubbed the original track with electric guitar, bass guitar, drums. Simon hated it when he first heard. Simon, who had moved to England after making the album, he performed in folk clubs, he wanted some different scenery, you know, experienced the world. So he's in England. Tom Wilson overdubs the track. Simon is like, hey, I don't know if I like this. Then it picks up some steam. It's number one on the charts. He moves back to the States so him and Garfunkel can make some more music. The duo records four more albums from 1966 to 1970. 1970, Bridge Over Troubled Water, the best-selling album of all time for Simon and Garfunkel. Then in 1970, the two split. Simon called Clive Davis after Simon's wife, Peggy Harper, urged him to confirm the breakup. Like, hey, don't know what you're doing here, really think you should end this. Simon, I guess, agreed with her and did it for the next several years. Simon and Garfunkel only speak sporadically, like once, twice a year, no longer the best of friends, no longer number one chart topping album duo anymore. So in 1970, Paul Simon goes solo. But while he's starting his solo career, he's also teaching songwriting at New York University. His first solo album, Paul Simon Songbook, actually came out in 1965. So Paul Simon, the self-titled album in 1972, is kind of his first solo album. At least I think it is because he is now for real solo not working on a side project while he's in a duo. He has 15 albums now, including Seven Psalms, which came out May 19th, 2023. So at 81 years old, he came out with an album just a few months ago. The one we listened to, his second album, sorta kinda his first in 1972. Along the way, 16 Grammys have been won by Paul Simon three albums of the year. He's won a Lifetime Achievement Award. He's one of six artists to win the Grammy Award for Album of the Year more than once as the main credited artist. He's one of six throughout the entirety of time in the Grammys. That is insane. And a Lifetime Achievement Award. You gotta be amazing to win that. Also in the Grammy Hall of Fame with Garfunkel for the album Bridge Over Troubled Water. As musicians, Paul Simon is in the Hall of Fame twice as he's in there with Simon and Garfunkel in 1990, and then he was brought into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001 as a solo artist. Lots of things have been presented to Paul Simon. Kind of jump around years a little bit, but the list, the resume is quite, quite impressive. 2006... Time Magazine named Paul Simon one of the 100 people who shaped the world. 2007, he's the first recipient of Library of Congress Gershon Prize for Popular Song. He's won two Brit Awards. 2001, Music Cares Person of the Year. 2002, recipient of the Kennedy Center Honors, the nation's highest tribute to performing and cultural arts. 2005, he was named a BMI icon, earned 39 BMI awards over the years. On Edge of Your Seat Podcast, right here, we will also proclaim Paul Simon an icon. But he didn't just do it with music. Performing arts, he wrote and produced a Broadway musical, The Cape Man, in 1998. In 1977, Paul Simon played music producer, Tony Lacey, in Woody Allen's film, Annie Hall. In 1978, he had a cameo in The Ruddles and All You Need Is Cash. 1980, he was in One Trick Pony, which he wrote and starred in. He was also on The Muppet Show and Sesame Street. He was on Saturday Night Live 14 times. And in 1975, he was the host of the second episode of SNL. Now, that's a pretty crazy... Thing to say about your career Saturday Night ain't live since 1975 still going strong he was the second host paul simon played with paul mccartney on the 40th snl anniversary in 2015 the last time he was a guest on the show was october 13th 2018 which was his 77th birthday he was the music guest and believe it or not when he's not singing he's not writing songs or teaching or acting He's also lived a life. In 1964, Paul Simon met Kathy Chitty. That's C-H-I-T-T-Y. There's no S in there. Met her in 1964 when he moved to England. He was 22. She was 16. When Simon returned to the States because of fame, Kathy ended the relationship, didn't want anything to do with the fame or him becoming a star, which he did. He blew up in was probably too much for her to handle. Four songs have been named after her or feature her. She is also featured on the cover of the Paul Simon songbook album as she is with Paul Simon. 1969, Paul Simon married Peggy Harper. They had a son, Harper Simon in 1972. They were divorced in 1975. There's a song out there, not on this album, but it's called 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, and it's about her. He met Shelley Duvall, and they became a couple, lived together for two years. If you don't know who Shelley Duvall is, she played Olive Oil in the 1980s edition of Popeye. It was a pretty good movie, Robin Williams playing Popeye, and she was also in The Shining with Jack Nicholson. But they stayed together, lived together for two years, until Shelley introduced Paul Simon to Carrie Fisher. They became a couple, and then they were married in 1983, divorced in 1984. But even after divorcing, Simon and Carrie Fisher resumed a relationship for a few years. In May of 1992, Paul Simon married Eddie Brischel. She's a singer, and they had three kids together. So four kids, three wives, living his life. And not only did he live his life that way, but he's a huge sports fan, a New York sports fan, as he's been seen at many games, wearing much merchandise, and has even mentioned his teams in songs that he has written. He is a huge New York Rangers fan of the hockey variety, and the NBA, the New York Knicks, and of course, baseball, the Pinstripes, New York Yankees. I know we already said this, but... Edge of your seat Podcast definitely proclaiming Paul Simon as an icon, a legend. Does your driver need a new grip? Seven iron need a new head? Putter need to be replaced? Want to play a simulator during rainy, cold days? Sports Boss Golf is your one stop shop for everything golf. Located at 2950 Kane Road in Leland, Sports Boss has over 10,000 used clubs and new clubs for sale. Owner Mark Wright rebuilds, repairs, replenishes the value of every club in his own shop. Want a Callaway? Sports Boss has it. A Betanardi, Bridgestone, Cleveland, Cobra, Exotics, Crank, Mizuno, Odyssey, Puma, Srixan, TaylorMade, Tor Edge, Wilson. Sports Boss has a partnership with each one of those top brands. Check out Sports Boss Golf Shop on Facebook or call Sports Boss Golf at 815-326-9686 or email sportsboss777 at gmail.com to book simulator time, inquire about repairing or purchasing clubs, and any other of your golf needs. Let's talk about the album Paul Simon, released January 24, 1972, two years after the split of Simon and Garfunkel. This is the second studio album. Again, I think it's the first since the technical first one was in 1965 when he was in a partnership with Garfunkel. However, you know, I can't always be right, I guess. The folk rock album, 14 songs, 42 minutes and 34 seconds. Paul Simon does, Experiment with different kinds of music, never gets really loud or he's never screaming, but sometimes he goes to Tartar rock or to, you know, elevator music rock and light rock, folk rock, kind of dips around in different kinds of rock music. This one, a folk rock album through and through. The album had three singles, Mother and Child Reunion came out January 17th, 1972. Me and Julio, down by the Schoolyard came out in May of 1972, and in July of 1972 was a song called Duncan. Also on the album, Run That Body Down, and Congratulations, two different songs, reference the Rocky marriage to Peggy Harper. Paul Simon was not scared to write about his love affairs at all. Also in this album, songs concerning drugs and adolescent themes. The Rolling Stone magazine list that originally came out in 2012, this album was 268. When the updated version in 2020 came out, the album was 425, which is where we found it. The album Paul Simon was on charts all over the place. It topped number one in Finland, Japan, Norway, Sweden, and the UK. It was number two on the Canadian and Dutch charts number three on the Spanish charts, number four on the U.S. Billboard chart, and number five on Australia was the top peak. At the end of 1972, the year-end charts. Paul Simon was number 10 on the Japanese charts, 22 on Australia, 26 for Dutch, and the U.S. Billboard reached number 32. In 1986, the album Paul Simon reached the platinum status of over 1 million albums sold. Surf Internet's fast fiber internet is more reliable and 25 times faster than cable. Unlike other local providers, we're proud to provide transparent all-in pricing that includes equipment fees and taxes. With speed packages starting at $35 a month, you'll get a free modem, free expert installation, and free whole home Wi-Fi on most plans. Plus, no contracts, and no data caps at a price that's locked in for life. Go to surfinternet.com to learn more or call 844-955-SURF for details. That's 844-955-SURF. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Time to go through the track list and rank them through the Paul Simon album, Paul Simon track number one it was a single mother and child reunion it's got a reggae feel It was recorded in kingston jamaica paul simon is a fan of reggae and this was one of the few times few at the moment in 1972 where somebody outside of a reggae artist used reggae elements in a song or in their music the song was inspired as Paul Simon saw a pet dog get ran over and killed. It was the inspiration of uniting a connection and it sparked a pretty good song. That was a single, not bad, not bad. You can make a song out about everything. Not quite on the levels, Paul Simon, but you can. Number two, Duncan starts with Duncan, a character in the song unable to sleep in a cheap motel because of another couple having sex in another room. Then it goes into telling Duncan's story. Creates a character. In the music, the melodies, folk rock at its finest. There's a flute in this that is bizarre, awesome. Bizarrely awesome. It is fantastic. Track three, everything falls apart. The very first line goes like this. Paraphernalia never hides your broken bones. Saying drugs are not going to make problems disappear. Acoustic guitar is awesome. Awesome. I love how it flows. Paul Simon is a master of everything. But it's about, hey, watch what you're doing, how you're living, you know, because everything can fall apart. You got to be aware of your surroundings and what's going on in your life. Track four, Run That Body Down, again, about his ex-wife. It's upbeat melody for such a sad song. goes like this. The doc says to him that you seem to be okay, but Paul, you better look around. How long do you think you can run that body down? He gets home. He lays down. Wife Peg asks what's wrong, and he tells her the exact same things that doc said. You want to know what's wrong with me? You better look around. How long do you think you can run that body down? Pretty interesting song and in how he flips it. Number five, Armatist Day. Love the combo of the harmonica, the percussions, guitar, and Paul Simon's voice. It is very smoothing, chill, cool. In this song, all components just jam out. And I I like how he doesn't have to say a real word. He can just make noises in the background, and it sounds really good. Like he's, and then he na-na-na's a little bit. And it sounds amazing. It just made the whole song come together. And just in case you didn't know, Armistice Day. That's all he wanted to say. He can't wait anymore to talk to a congressman that's been ignoring him. Number six. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. The production on this song is fantastic. Instant radio song. As soon as you hear this, you know that it hit the radio station. You you know. You, you just know. I'd heard this song before, but... Just listening to it, even if I hadn't heard it, you're like, okay, this was on the radio. This is on a classic rock station. This has won some kind of award. The production, amazing. Paul Simon just rocks out. Folk rocking it out, actually. And I did learn about a new instrument in this. It's a a little drum that you hear throughout the entire song. I don't know how to say this word, but it's a C-U-I-C-A. Cuica? Coca? It's a Brazilian friction drum in samba music. And you could definitely distinctly hear this. And I was like, what is this? I'd never heard this instrument before. So I looked it up and that's what it is. And it was great, really well used. Obviously the production, this had a lot of part to do with it. But the song is about two boys broke a law. They're obviously down by the schoolyard. The mom finds out, calls the police, Because she does not approve, never says what the law is, mind you, never says what the law is, but mom doesn't like it, knows it's illegal, calls the cops, they're going to jail, until a radical priest gets them out of the jam. Pretty amazing song, concept seems a little far-fetched, or like nothing that you would really think of, until you're like thinking about your childhood and you're like, man, how many times did me and a friend do something stupid, maybe we were down by the schoolyard. We got caught and then let go somehow, some way, by the hands of God or it was because Paul Simon sung the song. Track seven, Peace Like a River. This song is all about Ab's adolescence and craziness. He woke up from a dream and will be up for a while after the plans changed in the dream because of misinformation. This is a quote right here, and if the plans change, you can beat us with chains. You can beat us with wires. You can run out of rules. So adolescence, you're tired of being told what to do. Not happy about it. Track eight, Papa Hobo. Music, tone, harmony was kind of boring. Uh, pollution in the city. Detroit mentioned three, four or five times. Kind of all about life in Detroit. Poor, you're living like a hobo, walking around. You got a job sweeping up things. You're planning a getaway. Oh, but you can't really afford anything except to be a hobo. Now you're a hobo moving along your path. Track nine, Hobo's Blues. We're sticking with the same theme. However, this one is very upbeat. Has that classic jazz feel. Violin played by Stephanie Grappaelli, Paul Simon's on the guitar. It is only one minute and 20 seconds. And there's absolutely no words, but the music, vibes. And I loved it. Track 10, Paranoia Blues. This is blues. Got the famous blues guitar riff. You can hear the trombone. You can hear the sax. Whose side are you on? Paranoid in New York City. Doesn't know what's really going on. And he feels like he's always getting duped. Quote, where they roll you for a nickel and stick you for the extra dime. Trying to figure out where he belongs in New York. Number 11, congratulations. Slow Ballad, it is about Peggy. You know, people slipping away and more waiting in courtroom lines, death and divorce, love will do you in. Can a man and a woman live together in peace? That's a line in the song. Just all about relationships and what are we really doing? Is this really what we're supposed to be doing? But congratulations to her, which was Peggy, for his misery. Like, why did he have to go all through... All the stuff to be with you when it was going to end like this. So congratulations for making his life miserable. Track 12 is me and Julio down by the schoolyard live. Track 13 is Duncan live. 14 is Paranoia Blues, an unreleased version. It's a little different, a little more timely. You can see, tell that it's reproduced. But same words, same kind of feel. So 12, 13, and 14, I did not rank. Let's do the rankings of this pretty awesome album. I was a fan. I've listened to this album maybe more than I've listened to any other album off of this list. I have listened to it when I'm working out. I listened to it when I was walking, which I guess is kind of working out. Listen to it when I'm driving. Listen to it when I'm at work. Listen to it all the time. Probably listen to this album at least a good 15 to 20 times. And I'm not over-exaggerating. I was designing a tab that took me like eight, nine hours, and I literally just had this album on repeat the entire time. So I probably listened to it to 11 to 12 times in that one sitting. It's that good. I actually really love this album. Don't know if I'm gonna become a huge Paul Simon fan, but me and Julio down by the schoolyard, great song. Duncan, great song. Hobo blues, wish it was more than a minute and 20 seconds, but great song. Just, I liked the vibe. I liked the coolness, the chillness. But he's telling stories. He's creating characters. He's talking about his life. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about being young, adolescents. He's talking about paraphernalia is going to do you in and doesn't really do anything for you. There's a couple other songs with some drug manifests in there. It's just a really well-done album by an icon who was meant born to write music if you couldn't guess me and julio down by the schoolyard definitely my number one song edge of your seat podcast number one song on this album just a great vibe great great vibe number two is duncan i love the flute the music man it, i could listen to an instrumental of that song a million times three number ten paranoia blues i l- liked the blues jazz feel to it and I liked what he's talking about. Like, hey, man, you can be paranoid of a lot of things because a lot of things can happen wherever you're at, not just New York. Number four on the rankings, Mother and Child Reunion. The reggae feel was cool. I liked the inspiration of the song, just a different way of connecting things. And, you know, when a mother and child separate, come back together, how that transition feels. Number five, Everything Falls Apart. A really sad song, but the acoustic guitar was cool. I love the paraphernalia, never hides your broken bones line. And it's really like, hey, watch what you're doing. Pay attention to the way you're living your life because things can fall apart at any second, which is a life lesson that we all should know. Six, Run That Body Down. Again, sorta kind of a sad song, but upbeat. And he's just like, look, The doctor said this about me, but what about you? You're not doing so hot yourself. Seven Hobo Blues, man, very upbeat. Loved the violin, loved the music. It's only music, no words, which I am a fan of instrumentals. I can listen to music without words all day, every day. It was just so short, one minute and 20 seconds. By the time you started vibing, you're nodding your head, you're moving your shoulders, it's over. So then you gotta replay it. You get to that point, you start moving your shoulders, it's over. Just not long enough. Otherwise, it might have been number two or three. Wasn't going to beat Julio, but probably would have moved up the rankings just a tad. Eight, Armistice Day. Like the music, the percussion, the harmonica, and again, his voice and the way he can make a song flow without even having to say real words. And it's Armistice Day. That's all he wanted to say. Duh. Nine on the rankings, Peace Like a River. All about F's... Not abstinence. Adolescence. Well, I mean, it could be about abstinence. Eh, No, it's not. It's not. Adolescence. I mean, plans change. Hey, you come at me. Not really feeling this. It was a dream. However, things have been getting weird. Track number 10, Papa Hobo. Wasn't a huge fan. Just kind of boring. The music, the tone, you know, just just boring. I, I can't really hate on the lyrics themselves. I mean, you know, hobo being poor, trying to find your journey, you know, see what's next. You're working a quick job, Uh, automobile industry in Detroit. It's a dirty city. Uh, You can't hate on the lyrics, just the music behind it. And then, you know, a, a negative song with a slow grimy, not grimy, but grinding beat melody just didn't work for me or this album. Everything else was so different. Put this in the middle of it. Ah, just thought it didn't fit in as well. And then 11, congratulations. Just a sad song. I've honestly had these questions myself about death, divorce, or breaking up in a relationship. And why are we trying to fall in love? And can a man and a woman actually have peace? Is there always going to be arguments? Is there always going to be turmoil? This has been a real topic in probably everybody's life which I understand that. It's just saying congratulations to a woman for making him miserable. A well-written song, just, man. I just liked everything else better, Even, even the song I just got done talking about, saying I didn't feel like it vibed. Congratulations does fit into this album. It's just a slow ballad that just makes you either tear or Think about things you don't want to think and that's not why i listen to music i'm kind of the opposite i don't want music to make me think of my life and sad things and bad things and like that music is a release music should make you happy vibing you know relating even though you can relate to this you know it's a negative relate you're not going to listen to the song and be happy you're not going to listen to the song and see your loved one and give them a hug and a kiss and say i love you That's not what's going to happen when you listen to this song. You're going to be thinking negative things about your own relationship through this song. I get some people like music like that. Edge of Your Seat Podcast is not like that at all. But great album. Only two songs that I probably would not listen to again. I've already added like three or four to these to a playlist. Julio is definitely in. Hobo Blues is definitely in. Duncan is definitely in. Mother and Child Reunion, definitely in. They're in playlists and are going to stay for a while. It was just a cool album. I really liked it. And I like Paul Simon's style for folk rock, which is not my number one go-to. It was a really cool album that, you know, I'll go back to here and then and listen to songs. No doubt. Paul Simon, I think, made me a fan. And I did check out Seven Psalms after this. He's a little older. He's 81 in 2023. It's going to be 82 in October, not saying that you can't make great music at an older age, but the whole album just kind of sounded the same. And it was like one flowing song, which you got to have some difference in there. You got to just got to the interview you are about to hear from IVCC athletic director Corey Thomason is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first a small dealership in a smaller town. Associates, Jason Hintz and Caitlin Henry pride themselves in being here for you. They don't wanna sell you one vehicle, they wanna form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks and SUVs for your friends and family. Jason Hintz has been with Medoda Ford for eight years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. Caitlin Henry joined the team in July and is excited to help you find your dream vehicle. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Jason and Caitlin will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jingle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815. 815- 539 9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. And when you do, don't forget to mention where you heard about Mendota Ford, as the dealership has a refer a friend or family member program. If you buy a vehicle, the person or podcast who referred you gets $100. Well, that is the intro. We had the first win-lose stat of the 2023-24 school year, school sports year. We had Bring It Back with Paul Simon's album, Paul Simon, from 1972. And now we are going to chat with Corey Thomason. We'll be back real soon. Hopefully, you are staying cool in this heat. Until next time, peace. Edge of Your Seat podcast. Over the last couple years, we've tried to dive into Illinois Valley Community College more and more. Not that it's, you know, pushed out of sight, but with all the high schools in the area, sometimes junior college kind of gets overlooked. However... I decided to volunteer help friends out at IVCC as part of the women's basketball team at IVCC a couple years ago. Did that for two years, and then I was like, you know what? I have to include IVCC, Kishwaukee, other community colleges in the area as much as possible. So I had to reach out to Athletic Director at IVCC, Corey Thomason. Corey, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. No problem. You're always welcome. You're more than an athletic director to me when I see, a, I see you as a basketball teammate of Oglesby Men's Rec League about five, six years ago.
1: Yes, that's true. Um, those days have, have sort of passed me by. Uh, some knee injuries and age have caught up a little bit, but yes, those, were, those are good days.
0: Yeah, they passed me by, too. I'm a little younger than you, but uh, the body is it might be older than yours. So, <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm done, too. Fair enough. <laughs> Definitely. With IVCC, breaking news last week with the women's basketball program that I just mentioned that I helped out a couple years ago, canceling the season. And I know that's been a hot-button issue, and I know you probably got a lot of phone calls, a lot of text messages like, hey, what's going on? So, why did IVCC choose to close down or cancel the women's program this year?
1: Sure, thanks. Um, it, it wasn't an easy decision. This is something that really weighed on us as, as we're making that decision. So it was really more of a, a process issue, uh, not a coaching issue as far as no one to lead the team or things like that. It, it was really when things happen and sheer numbers. So we received a resignation from the, the coach at the time at the – near the end of May and the recruiting process for the most part for most people going into college is nearly done at that part. Uh, Most people have committed at that time, Uh, for example, my, my softball team, which is a spring sport even, all my recruiting was done at that point. So we were kind of behind with the recruiting process and not many of the players that had been recruited had signed LOIs with us letters of intent. And so as we're looking forward, we had a small returning class. We had two people returning from the year before, so that gave us two. There were two other people that had signed letters of intent, one of whom prior to this even happening had asked for a release because she just was going to another school, which was absolutely fine. We grant those. So we were standing at three individuals. Um, and so I went through all of the list of individuals that had been contacted. And one person was willing to come out um, at that point, so we were at four. During this time, we had to put out a search for a new head coach at that time. So we went through that entire process. You have to put it out there, give them time to respond, get all the emails in, get the committee together, do all of the scoring, rate those, do interviews. By the time we did that, we were uh, about at July 13th um to get all of those things accomplished and with that being said we cannot bring in an out-of-district athlete uh they they can't come into the district and and unless and sign with us and get in-district tuition unless they've established residency 30 days prior so what basically needs to happen is they need to put a deposit down on an apartment uh housing in district so what Even though we went through the process, interviewed coaches, potential coaches, and would be willing to to move ahead with that, it made out-of-district recruiting at that point impossible because we, we couldn't go to anyone, get them in district, get everything done within one day, two days. And so we were really minimizing our capacity to do things because we would have had to just go with Industry district athletes that were at IVCC at the time. I actually contacted over 10 players, 10 previous high school players that I knew of, some of them sophomores who said no the year before, some of them incoming freshmen we knew, some from other sports that we have on campus already, and one other person agreed to play. Um, that put us at four total. And when you were coaching here a couple of years ago, we went through a time uh, where – a team was recruited for, for women's basketball and they started out with pretty good numbers and things happen. Injuries, issues that may make players leave a team, whether it's quitting the team or whatever that might be. And our team got down to five or six players. And it's really difficult uh, to do. And when you start with more and get down to that, it's a little easier to do. Starting with, with five players, six players is just nearly impossible for a college team to be successful. If you started with nine and you had a couple and you get down to six, you can grind out the rest of the year. But playing a full college schedule with that, not being able to scrimmage against anyone else because you have five players, if one person gets hurt, and when I say if one person gets hurt, I want to really tag something on there because inevitably there are injuries. Last year at any time, we would have two to three people on the bench with with injuries, whether it's an ACL, you know, concussion from hitting a head, just being sore from something, pulling a muscle, anything at all can hold them out from a game. So as soon as you have that one person, two people, three people go down, you're forfeiting a game because you can't start with five people when you only have six in total. And some of the players, one of whom was going to be there, would be returning from an ACL injury from from high school and so just when when she agreed to come on she said just so you know you know, I, I can't play a full game on this i i need rest time and, and you can certainly respect that so it would be irresponsible for us to put a team of six players out there from the very beginning and i don't think it would be fair to the players there i don't think that it would be good to go just find anyone to come play and fill a spot we, we want to compete. doesn't mean we have to win conference, win the region, anything like that, but we want to put a competitive team on the floor. We thought that it would be irresponsible for us to go forward with just for sure four players going, and this way we could plan better. So we put a plan together in order to uh, move forward on how to, how to go about getting ready for next year, while at the same time still – honoring any commitments that we made to the players that had already signed letters of intent. And so we've taken care of those and informed them uh, of the season. It's not a fun thing to do. It was terrible during COVID when we had to do that. It was terrible here. But it wasn't that we didn't have coaches. It wasn't anything to do with gender one way or the other, anything like that. It It was a sheer numbers and timing issue.
0: Thank you for getting in the details of behind-the-scenes stuff that if you're not involved with IVCC and an athletic director or something of that sorts, you would not know. Thank you for diving into that because there is a lot of stuff behind the scenes, the pieces that yeah. put together for a program.
1: It is not easy. At this point, we have close to, and I'm not saying that as my job is, is overly difficult. I love doing this portion of, of my job. We have nearly 150 athletes this year coming in, and that, that doesn't include the women's basketball team at this point. So um, nearly 150 athletes to get ready, and in the fall, we're looking at, out of our 12 sports, seven of them are competing, eight of them are competing in the fall. And so you're, you're getting ready for all those things. There, there are a lot of moving parts there with letters of intent, getting all of the documentation we need with You know, physicals, concussion testing, transcripts, transfers from other schools, things like that that just aren't instantly available like they may be in high school that are just required that you have to have them. So we have the process of getting all those in play and submitting eligibility on these players and things like that based on past experience or performance in other schools. So a lot of moving parts all at once there. And again, we have six sports at IV for females, six for males. It, it kills me to suspend a sport. In fact, over the past few years, we've added sports. We've added men's and women's soccer. This year, for the first time, we're adding men's and women's cross country. I'm trying to expand this program for the college, and we think it's a, a great experience for our student athletes. It has nothing to do with gender. I'm, I'm the softball coach and have been for, for nearly 25 years now, so female athletics means a lot to me. I fought for it for a long time for equality. So the issue that if it was a men's team, this wouldn't be happening. It has nothing to do with any of of this issue whatsoever. It's funny, Brandon, because my daughter actually played on the women's basketball team. So they won back-to-back regional er, or conference championships and uh, went to the regional championship game. So I, you know. I have a lot of connection to that team specifically, so it means a lot to me. And they perform well in the classroom. Their, their teams always do. I, it's just a sheer number issue this, this year, and it's it's hard. I, I talked to other people about the number of high school players coming out this year as seniors uh, of local area, and many of them, you know, some of the quality players went to four-year schools and things like that, and which is Absolutely understandable, but there just wasn't the sheer number of graduating seniors playing basketball this year as there had been in the past. And in fact, I think this this upcoming year, we're going to have a a lot of graduating seniors. And our goal is to get out into the gym and talk to as many of those those graduates locally, as well as expanding our search out um, further and trying to, to really fill out a competitive roster for next year.
0: And I think we're still in the backlash of COVID-19. I don't, we're not in the full fledge of it, but I think we're at the end of it, the aftermath, because I've talked to a couple younger players for this podcast in the last couple of days, and they're like, well, we didn't have a freshman season, or hey, we had the half of a sophomore season. We're still at that back end where the, the players, the athletes, student-athletes, didn't get the full experience and either don't want to carry it on, don't understand the importance of, you know, what they had. There's all different kinds of things that went on with COVID-19, and I still think we're seeing that as we speak.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a distinct possibility. Um, I, you know, I can't speak for certainty of of these situations, of the specifics of these individuals, but I, I think that definitely has had a role on the number of participants. Some were, you know, ecstatic to, to continue seasons and jumping in there, but Absolutely. And deciding where to go to school makes a big difference there because for a little while with COVID, we saw an uptick because, okay, people weren't sending their their, uh, students away to other schools and we we had a little bit of an increase in, in enrollment here because... I can stay at home. Why would I be taking online classes somewhere else when I don't get that experience? But now that that's passed, I think some people are, are moving back to four-year schools a little bit. So many, many different reasons for these things. And I again, we can speculate about why, um, but I think that, that definitely could have an impact on it.
0: Definitely. And when you were talking about the team that went to the championship, national championship, I remember that team. I was there. I covered it. I remember the end after IVCC, unfortunately, lost. I believe it was in Wabonzi. Was it Wabonzi?
1: Yep. That, that was the year they went to the championship of the region. They didn't make region. it to nationals
0: that year, but yes. Region. No, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. right. Regional yep. championship. I remember that game and I loved that team. Julio Pohar, Coach yep. Tom Patak, Hannah Bima, there was a lot of... Your, Your daughter was on that team as well.
1: A lot of local athletes here. For me, if you look at those two years, and this is our college as a kind of a snapshot of what you get here. Those two years specifically, we had a lot of in-district athletes, and it just seemed like a lot of them chose to stay, and it was amazing during that time. During those two years, Brandon, we had more student athletes at IVCC. submit our student-athletes that would make the academic honors for the NJCAA. Those two years, as we submitted those, we belonged to the Arrowhead Conference. We had more student-athletes earn academic honors at the NJCAA, which means they had to have a uh, 3.6 or higher GPA over the year uh, than all five other conference teams combined. The athletic portion, you know, it's wonderful, but the academic portion of it, our, our college just kills it. And so that, that specific year, all the teams did well athletically, but that specifically was a, a real highlight of that, those two years. Again, we've had tons of success at this college with, with women's basketball specifically. Uh, Joe Conroy went to a national tournament with a team, and they did exceptionally well. Um, a lot of local players on there that keep coming back. He's now the coach up at Kishtawakee for the men's team. Steve Crick went to a national uh, tournament. That's your know, took teams there. So there are multiple teams that have gone there, and each time as we move Yeah, There are coaching changes, things like that that happen, and you have to rebuild every once in a while. It's not like consistently everybody's going there every time. And I think that this time we're just going to start another process of starting over um, with a new team because – there won't be any returning players from that team because the ones that we're returning will certainly be graduating and moving on. They're, they're really good students also, so they'll be moving to a four-year school. So we won't have the, the luxury of bringing back other players. Now, one of, or two of the others that may have played out of the four are certainly welcome back uh, if they would like to, but we're not returning any players that have collegiate experience, I guess from IVCC. So we're hoping to just hit the road running here or running as fast as we can and get right back on that process. Um, so Brittany Moriarty and I, who is the assistant coach, will be out actively recruiting. And um, so coaches can hopefully expect to hear from us and local players can hear from us. And if any student athlete is interested in any of our sports, they can certainly reach out to us.
0: Definitely, and I'm glad you said that because I have said this a couple of times. Actually, I said it on the last podcast in an intro when I brought up the IVCC women's basketball team canceling the season, said like, hey, maybe this is maybe not a reset, but sort of kind of a reset where, you know, recharge some batteries, get more, yes. you know, excitement stuff behind the program and rejuvenate it. Sometimes you need something like this, a full, like, turn the power off, turn it back on on your Xfinity system. I have to do it all the time, and then my network's great so sometimes you got to do stuff like that to you know pump up the program
1: well i certainly hope that's the outcome that is not in any way i will just tell you that is not the process that we would like to happen you know ideally it just wouldn't have happened and we could have you know gotten around this in a really successful way but again i don't think it would have been fair to them players who were here. Uh, I don't think it would have been fair to anyone we hired because they would have just been uh, handcuffed as far as where, where we could be for coaching because they wouldn't have been able to go outside there. It would have been really difficult to compete. And I, again, that's it's a difficult decision, but hopefully the outcome of this is we can learn from it as far as how maybe some things we can put into place to make sure that we're you know, protecting the, the program as we move forward and making sure that everything is recruited ahead of time and we're all good to go. But excitement-wise, we're, we're hoping that we can do that and bring that back instantly for next season.
0: Thank you for filling us in on all of that info. I mean, again, so many moving parts. The background stuff, so appreciate you filling us in and letting us know what is going on with the basketball team. M- mentioned some other things that I wanted to briefly discuss. First, the cross country new program. I mean, in this area, covering high school cross-country for the last oh, I'm going on 13 years just in this area, 18 years as a in a career. And in this area, the Illinois Valley and surrounding cross-country is a huge deal. So you could bring in some big-time student athletes in this program. That's what we're hoping. Uh, Matt Baker, who, who you know
1: from the area, uh, who works at LP, he, he has taken that program on. In this area, he went out started recruiting again. At, at IVCC, we go through cycles of coaches, and this year, we have hired many new coaches. Um, People have retired from positions. People have moved. For whatever reason, we had a a large influx of new coaches this year. Some people moved jobs and had to go out of the area. So we were hiring that cross-country as we added that on. And so he really hit at a time, again, many student-athletes, they're signing their letters of intent back in November and have been recruited for the year before there. So it's a process that's getting, it affects students much earlier, at, at an earlier age over and over. You'll hear a verbal commitments when people are, now I wanna to go to this place when they're sophomores in high school or freshman. It may change, But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of competition for those student athletes, and people recruit all over the place. So Matt entered that. He right now has a full team for the men's team. He's still trying to get more for the women's team, but we will have individual runners for our women's cross country, so they'll compete that way. But he will have a full team of men to compete as a team this year. So really happy with that and excited to see what that brings. And to build the program, again, a few years ago, we added men's and women's soccer. And, for example, just the men's soccer team this year has nearly 30 people on it where, you know, it's booming. And so and, and they're really successful with what they're doing. They, they're going to the regional tournament and making an impact, getting to Final Four in some areas there. So just more and more success each year. And I truly think that local runners in high school since this has never been a possibility to run at IVCC, we haven't had this before, they'll start seeing that as a possibility for them and truly considering running here, uh, staying at home, getting all the benefits that come with that while they're getting what I think is the best community college education around. I I really think that they'll see that as a possibility and we'll, we'll grow those numbers very quickly.
0: Awesome. You mentioned, you know, new coaches, hiring new coaches. One I know of, Caitlin Edgecombe, a former Putnam County volleyball player. I believe she played at IVCC. Now she's taken over the volleyball team.
1: She has. Um, our, our former coach had, had resigned this last year. I think she did a tremendous job, Erin Pulte, and I uh, wish her all the best. in what she does, we put the search out. Caitlin was one of the people that applied for that. I think she brings a high level of enthusiasm and energy uh, to this position to start really building the program again. Again, with with that specific, she was hired about the same time, a little bit after, but the thing is, with that, she she has a team of 14 players right now, which is, is larger than last year's team even. So she's coming in to a situation that really is ideal for somebody. Returning players, you know, half of our, oh, most of our team is returning from last year. Plus, there was an influx of players for, from high school coming in. We have a team that's already set, ready to compete. I, I think they'll do really well this year. Be a learning curve there from, for coaching college for her a little bit, and we'll assist as much as we can. But I'm, I'm expecting really big things out of that program this year. I think they'll be really successful.
0: You had also mentioned the men's soccer program. Tim Cotton Jim, a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. He's the mastermind of soccer, if you ask me.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. I I think that's a great compliment for that guy. That's wonderful. I think he's doing a tremendous job with our soccer team, I'll tell you that. He recruits very well, has a variety of local players, um, out-of-district players, has fielded a strong team and has really made some waves in the region four soccer program over the the last few years so at division three which we started competing at when the program started he got to the championship games of those and then as soon as we moved to division two which you know is widens the amount of teams that we're playing against instantly he's playing you know i think well for the first time ever we had Conference soccer as a conference sport last year because we had four of the six teams in the conference actually competing. So it was an official conference and our our men's soccer team won the first conference championship ever in the Arrowhead Conference. So really proud of him for that. Um, Yeah, I think he, he does a great job with this team. And then, of course, you are
0: the softball coach, like you said, for the last almost 25 years or more than 25 years. And you said you had your recruiting done are we going to see some familiar faces in
1: Eagle Um. Yes, I, I think some people will, will be really happy with what we've got. In we, we return a lot of players, actually, this year. And so many of the starters off of last year's team will be back. I, th- I think we only lose two starting players off of last year's roster for the most part. So a lot of familiar faces off of last year's team. The recruits that we have coming in. School-wise, we're rep- representing LP, Seneca, St. Bede, Putnam County. So lots of the schools in the area we're pulling players from, and I, I think we'll be really competitive this year. The hard part for us this year is, Brandon, it's funny because, you know, we usually recruit this way. And, and for softball, we haven't. We relatively have a small number of players compared to a lot of the other teams we play in general. And that's strategic for me. I, I do that on purpose to, because I want them engaged in the game. So we, we may have 17 players. Usually it will be 16, 15 in there. And we'll be right at 15 this year again. The hard part is we play a fall season just – all of those games are considered scrimmage. They, we don't do eligibility for them. The stats don't count towards any NJCAA uh, statistics or anything like that. It's just to get us ready. The hard part is five of five of the. Players I have off of softball team play on the volleyball team. So, and many of them are key position players starting pitcher, starting catcher. And so, when we look at it that way, it's going to make it impossible for us to have a fall season. And, and I explained that to all the players as we recruited them, and they're okay with that. I recruit players that way to where they can play dual sports. I think it really engages them. It keeps them in shape. They do great in their grades because we really monitor them well here at the college. And specifically softball and volleyball were two of our sports last year. I have athletes on both, and we had academic... All-Americans at the NJCAA level, I think five softballs, five or six volleyball together, five, You know, dual sport athletes that made that list. So really proud of that. And our whole teams were nominated for the academic team of the year for each of those for their, their high scholarship. Yeah, you're gonna see some familiar faces from the area. We have a couple of out-of-district players that, and when I say out-of-district for us, we're talking about like Farmington, yeah, so not too far. One one player from that's returning down near Collinsville area, uh, but mostly mostly local players for softball because our local softball programs, high school travel summer teams, are really strong.
0: Yeah, St. B just won a state championship. That's strong. Yeah.
1: Amazing job. They, they have a really great core group of players. They, they return a bunch. Coach Sons, excellent coach, always has been, has daughters who have gone on and been really successful there. That program did really well this year. I, and I think what, what really stood out to me, at least looking at that is I didn't expect it at the beginning of the year. And I don't think maybe they did. Maybe they expected to be successful, but it just seemed to me like they really clicked as a team, following them through... All of the, all the press as far as newspaper, radio, things like that, knowing some of the players on there just seemed like as a team, which in my opinion is, is the most important thing. They clicked, everybody bought into process and uh, how they were going about things. And it really paid off for them. They have a ton of great athletes there, young athletes in some cases that really stepped up. I think they'll do well again this year.
0: Same here. And some of the things you were just saying about St. Bede and what you think is important in softball, you do that with your team. I've seen it year after year after year, and you are the definition of a competitive coach. Your team, every single year that you put them on the field, you're thinking, okay, who are they going to lose to because I think they're going to beat everybody.
1: I feel that way when we go out, you know, I have expectations, but it, again, potential doesn't win games, and, and you have to put up. And so many things can come into play. There are a lot of team sports there, but when you have, compared to other sports in many cases, um, a starting pitcher go down, uh, it, it really affects your team. Any injuries can, can make a difference, so th- there are a lot of variables there. I am competitive, maybe overly competitive sometimes, and but at the same time, I, th- I think we can beat any team on any day, and last year was a great example of that. We beat every team in the conference, and... We didn't lose to every team in the conference, but there's so much parity right now within the region. And that it's making it more and more difficult for a team to just dominate. Our men's basketball team was a great example last year. The first time through, all of our conference, just so everybody understands, our conference included last year which it still does, but they're not competing at this level this year. Sauk Valley and Highland are both Division One, so they can offer more scholarship money and things like that. They're just able to do so. So they compete at a different level than us at the regional level, but in conference, they're there. Our men's basketball team, they went 5-0 and in our conference the first time through. Now, they finished just above 500 coming back the second time, but it's just the parity in all those levels. Now, we're watching them play Milwaukee and the game gets down to a three-point game at one time and they become the national champion. Last year when we played Rock Valley, who has won the Division Three national championship I think seven years in a row. And then this last year they went to the division. They switched to Division Two. They went to the, the national tournament. We played them in a one-zero game, our first game, and it was just a nail biter till the end. So anybody can beat anybody at this level at any time. There are teams that you know you think you're just going to walk in and. and destroy them and all of a sudden their pitcher has a great day and just starts shutting people down and so I appreciate that. I do think our team's gonna compete every year. I expect to win conference every year. We've been to the regional tournament since I've been here out of the twenty five years so twenty four minus the COVID year where we didn't have it. Um, I think we've been to the, uh, the region tournament, the final four, 18 out of the 23 years I've been here. So we'll be fighting for that at the end each, each year, trying to make that tournament and get to the national tournament. Hopefully every team's doing that. You know, men's and women's tennis. Had gone to the tennis nationals division three, and then we switched to division two. It makes it even more competitive for them because there are more teams, and they're, they're performing really well in those at that level. So hopefully, all of our teams can get to that point and enjoy that men's golf. Same thing. Our new golf coach last year, Pat Gilfoyle, inherited some players, recruited new players, and generally, you carry seven people on the team. This year he's up to I think 12 players now on the team so he's recruited a strong class and most of them are in district and I think they're going to make some noise in, in the golf area this year too.
0: Shout out to Julian Meloda, the tennis coach and Gil Foyle. He's a Mendota guy. I see him all over the yeah. place. Including at the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship. Just chatted with him for a little bit. You have... You know, every person that you've listed as coaches are great people, great with the student-athletes, and I know your coaches and the IVCC program in general appreciates your competitiveness just like I did as your basketball teammates so many,
1: many, many, many moves ago, but it was a fun time. Yeah, we may be competitive, but I, I think everybody in that gym knew we weren't the best players there, so... Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the funny thing is, is I didn't even, because I hadn't played basketball at that point like two or three years, and I was at the heaviest I'd ever been, and it took me towards like the end of us playing for me to actually get into a groove and play basketball like I thought I could play, and then after that I, I was okay, like in different leagues, And but when I was playing with you, it was like the beginning of that era, and I'm like, sure, oh, you know, I, w- I wasn't quite ready, but I got there.
1: Gotcha. I, I understand. I understand. It's, uh, it's a fun time. Those things are, are a great time when you can get together like that. It was always good for me. I, we would go and we'd be playing against students who you know, former students, things like that in the gym that we would see who were 15 years younger than, than we were. So that was a blast. I, I enjoyed that time. Definitely.
0: Well, we enjoyed having you on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Corey Thomason, the athletic director at IVCC and the softball coach. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, appreciate it. I appreciate it, Brandon. Take care.